Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 120 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here. We're both refreshed from the holiday break. I've been very lazy, ate a lot of food, although Kurt, uh, he got pneumonia. So we're going to do the podcast today with a pneumonia-stricken Kurt, who really, he can just really pump out the enthusiasm when he has to, but basically goes into a coma afterwards. Are you looking forward to your coma here in about a half hour, Kurt? Looking forward to it. Yes, it was a good holiday. And of course, my present was pneumonia of all things. Fun for me. Tried to resist, tried to deny it, but it is real. So yeah, that takes about a good three, four weeks to complete its course. Had it before. If you uh, keep getting it, it gets worse and worse. So anyway, but I'm happy to be here. I did have good holidays for the first part of it with the fatty foods and the family. Went snow skiing a few times. That was a lot of fun, but it was good overall. And I spent a lot of time in bed over the last uh, week, probably watched more football than I've ever seen. And I have to tell you, disappointed in our bowl selection committee. Oh, really? For the playoff? For all of it. I mean, almost all of them were blowouts. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, especially those mid-tier, low-tier bowls. Uh, you know, you get a major conference team that goes in there, and what do they care? And they don't want to play. They don't want to be in the, the craft Fight Hunger Bowl or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm disappointed in some of the names they came up with with some of these bulls, too. I'm like, what is that? But it was fun. There were some great games, great comebacks. Good to watch some football. But Hellside still trying to come back. Hear me coughing a little bit. But good to be here. Great to be back. We took a little hiatus there at the end of the year. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Appreciate you listening. Yep, got a great episode for you, timely for the beginning of the year, as you get to hear Kurt to positively think his way through the pneumonia. Um, if you don't get over it that way, you're just not positive enough, Kurt. You need an attitude adjustment. I just need to sit on the couch and think, I'm the best. People like me. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. <laughs> and then you can pick me up from the funny farm. Yeah, <laughs> and then take you to the emergency room for some Exactly, because I'm really delirious. That's way too much codeine and past the recommended amount. Yes, which I believe Kurt is past the recommended amount on his codeine already. So this show, you know, it's we good. go off the rails. This one could get pretty nasty here within it's 15, good. 20 minutes. It could. Codeine has been my friend. <laughs> yes, I can tell. I can tell you guys are getting along. We're right. getting along really well. It's the only thing that's getting me through the day. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people get along well with codeine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's a new year. Everybody's thinking about how they're going to conquer the world in 2016 if they didn't do it in 2015. Uh, I think we all kind of reluctantly set some goals. We want to do it. We want to make it better, but... There's a track record there that uh, we can't deny about uh, falling off the wagon and and just not completing those goals and things. So we've got some feedback for you on that that uh, will help today. And then also (laughs) an interesting article from one of Kurt's obscure blogs that he digs up from somewhere. Nobody knows how. Interesting article called Skip the New Year's Resolutions. Why should we do that, Kurt? Well, because they're causing you to cry at night. You're waking up screaming. You're crying at night. And they do work. We know goals work. We've always talked about goals. Goals is part of persuasion. It's part of influence. It's part of success. But for most people, the drudgery, the 
waiting for the lines at the gym in January and wait until February when there are no lines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many things going on here to where if it's not working for you, quit doing it or do it the right way. Well, okay, so skip the New Year's resolutions. The gist of the article then is you're failing. It's not working, so why just put yourself through that every year? A little bit. She kind of backs up. Her name is Helen Brown. She's an LMFT. Do you know what that is? It almost sounds like a bad thing. It does. It sounds like a filthy <laughs> acronym. Anyway, it's a family and marriage therapist. That's <laughs> what it stands for. And she's not a fan of resolutions. And she says you might be just be better off to realize that there are some things you're pretty good in life. Right? You're good at some good things. I mean, you do some things really well at your job or with your family, what you do. Look at those things. And I'll add to that, too, is maybe just sit down and write a victory list. These are the things that I do well. These are the things that I've won. These are the battles that I've won. These are my home runs. That's something that just might put you in the right spot to be able to be motivated and set goals. And so I thought that was great advice. And then she says, maybe by locating your gratitude, you can automatically lessen your deficits. And that's something, look at the people that you're grateful for, the good people around you. When I look at self-esteem and persuasion and influence, it's interesting that we automatically are programmed as human beings to compare our weaknesses to other people's strengths. And guess what? We never win. Never. We never win. And so just be grateful. Look around you. Look at your strengths. Be grateful for the things and the talents and the people around you and I thought that was great advice, too. And she said, also, cultivate resolve rather than resolution, right? I mean, as far as just being motivated, find that resolve. She says a resolution is about targeting something specific, but having resolve is more global because wherever you need or want this coming year, tenacity is likely to be essential. That's great advice, kind of different. We want to be different on the show. It was all goals, goals, goals. And don't get me wrong, goals are important. But if they're demotivating and if they're sucking the life out of you and you're waking up screaming in the middle of the night, we need to do something different. We need to change it up. It's not working for you. And if it doesn't work for you and you've tried the last 10 years, it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. You're cultivating this image of somebody who just really overextended themselves on their goals and just wakes up in a cold sweat like they had some terrible nightmare. <laughs> and a lot of people, especially in the sales industry, that's true because they're assigned goals. And that's even more terrifying because there's no ownership there. And it's one of those challenges that they face, and it's part of reality, but it can really hurt your motivation. That's funny. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and it reminded me of a quote by uh, the great John Wooden, who said, never mistake activity for productivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, he works at a construction company, and they're going through a bit of an ownership transition. It's a small business, and the guy that owned it is retiring, and his son, who I think is 25 years old, is taking over. So you can imagine that these uh, salty construction guys that have been there for 30 or 40 years are not too excited about reporting to this kid who's 25 years old, right? And they've been going through all this management training, outside consultants coming in with their systems about here's how you do it, you know, Sandler and Six Sigma and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's driving everybody everybody a little bit crazy. These are the words he used to describe it. They're having to set these goals of what their numbers are. And I've had a lot of guys who work in some kind of, you know, software sales or some big company where the manager has to show results. He has to show measurables. So they make everybody set these goals. And I made this many calls. I contacted this amount of people. I sent, you know, this amount of marketing out. And everybody gets so busy trying to track all those numbers 
and all that data to show they're actually doing something that nobody's actually doing anything. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that that's what happens a lot of times with our goals is that you really lose the sight of it. If you get caught in that minutia and it doesn't motivate you and you're not, you're not excited about it, you're probably not going to do it. I mean, that's, that's going to be a really tall order. I agree. And it's a tough thing as a manager, as a salesperson, wherever you're at, goals. We hear these goals, people cringe, they get tense. What do you do? I mean, even the, the study with production plant workers, they took the high road with the first group. We believe in you and would you just do your best? This is what we want you to do. Just do your best. Versus the group, no, here are your goals as we expect. Write these down. This is what you want to do. The second group accomplished three times more, right? But then we know that when we're just straddled with these goals, it can have the opposite effect. So we know it works, but it can have the opposite effects. Because one of the worst things you can do to a salesperson, give them a goal they don't believe in, that he thinks too big, that will demotivate them faster than anything else. Yeah, that's true. That's the danger in, in having the goals dictated to you. And I think it even goes beyond that. You know, the manager is saying, here are your goals versus, hey, set goals. And a lot of times they try, they have this facade of, you know, you set your own goals, you know, do whatever you want. But here's what we're looking for, <laughs> right? It's a hard thing to do. It's People have failed so much at it that, uh, wow, being able to effectively do it and, and motivate others to do it, that's, that's hard. It is. And that's the key. That's what great charismatic leaders do. People see themselves doing it. And that's a big part of goals. If you can't see yourself doing it, it's not going to happen. But you just cannot deny the fact, and you've mentioned this study, I think it was done at Yale, where they tracked people who had written goals as opposed to people who had oral goals. And there's no denying the fact that those who are most successful, they do set goals and they do stick with them and they do achieve them. So if you're the kind of person that every year in, year out, you've done New Year's resolutions, you set goals, and by March you forgot about them because your regular life and your regular habits have once again crept in and you're just a creature of habit, how do you become that person that is successful? Not that you're not successful, but how do you become that person that actively sets goals and accomplishes them? And, and you can be one of those people from the study, right? I, I believe it was... Two or three percent, Kurt. Do you recall that study from Yale? Uh, well, people were back with Yale, Harvard. There's a couple of universities that did some different studies, but it's all, the number's always around three percent that put their goals in writing or always achieving ten times more than those who don't. I mean, we know what works. There's something about it. But let's back up. I mean, you think about the happiest time in your life. You were pursuing a worthwhile, exciting goal. As humans, we need goals for our happiness. We need goals for our productivity. We've talked about Brian Tracy on the show before. He's a success expert. He says just writing it down triples your commitment level. We need goals. We want goals, but we've had this bad experience. And so let's talk about those blunders that we're doing because if it's not working for you, we don't need to talk about the positive points. We need to talk about, okay, what are some of the mistakes, blunders that you're doing that you can overcome to become better at what you're doing? So the three goal-setting blunders that are just really killing most people's uh, aspirations there. Is that correct? Yeah, I just thought of three that we could really work on right away. The first one mentioned briefly is that it's the size of the goal. It's too big. It's too overwhelming. You want to lose 100 pounds or 50 pounds. You want to make an extra $100,000 this year. But if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. And so you have to realize, is this a realistic goal? Is this something that you can accomplish? And that's a big one. And this is true as a manager. If you're assigning a goal to somebody they have to have ownership. They've got to believe they can do it. You've got to create a compelling vision that they have the tools and the resources and the motivation and your support to be able to do that. Because remember, and we've talked about this before, 
is that when the brain gets overwhelmed, it shuts down, right? We come to the office after Christmas vacation and the holidays thinking, wow, look at that list. Look at the emails that I need to do. Do you just take a nap? There's just too much to do. And so when you feel that way, you need to break your goal into smaller, manageable, bite-sized pieces. So if you're assigned a goal and it just seems too big, maybe you need to, instead of looking at the year, look at the month. Instead of the month, looking at the week. Instead of the week, look at the day. If you can manage your goals, make it more believable in your brain, size just really demotivates people, especially when a goal is assigned to them. And so if you're working with someone, you know that it's just really big. Maybe say, okay, they're just asking for an extra three phone calls a day. I'm just asking for an extra sale a day. I'm just doing this. I'm putting it in perspective then that makes a big difference personally and professionally when you're working with others. Yeah, that's a really interesting balance that you have to strike because if you can't see the end, the end of the line that makes you excited, that's the whole reason that you're working on the goal in the first place, you're going to run out of gas. But if you just see all the way to the end and get overwhelmed by all that distance that you have to cover, you're going to run out of gas too. I read a great book over the break. And there was a, a movie made about this book recently. It's called Lone Survivor about a, a man named Marcus Luttrell who served in the U.S. Navy and, uh, you know, had a pretty nasty mission in Afghanistan where three of the, the guys he was on his mission with were killed and he barely made it out of there. And it was quite an ordeal. And, and he spends a lot of uh, the beginning of the book going through what it takes to become a Navy SEAL, which is what he was, and and just the intense physical training that you have to go through. And they, they deliberately try to break you. They're, they're trying to sort out the people who can go completely to the limit and still have their mind say, no, I want this, I want this. And he recited in the book about how some of his instructors told him that if you look even two hours out on the horizon while you're here, you're going to quit because <laughs> you'll just be horrified at what's coming your way. You have to focus on right now. What am I doing right now and get through this the best I can and we'll worry about what's next later. And that's a really good uh, motivating factor. It's a really good technique, especially when you're doing something that's intensely tough. Uh, I would think exercise or prospecting, you know, some some of those things are are tough. And you just have to focus on the moment. But then remember, you can't lose focus of what is out there on the horizon and why you're doing all of this in the first place. I agree, right? I need to break it down to the hour. Okay, before lunch, you need to do this to where putting things in perspective. Because if you're the big picture, what you need to accomplish this year, that might be too big, might be too overwhelming. And that is a huge blunder when you're assigning a goal or creating your own goals that can really demotivate you. So what's the next blunder that people make on goal setting? I'd say belief in themselves, visualization. If you can't see yourself mentally doing this, if you can't visualize yourself achieving this goal, it's not going to happen. The universe will not reward you physically until you believe it mentally. And this is a big one, especially as a manager and you're assigning a goal. If they can't visualize it, if they can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, if they can't see themselves doing it, it will not happen. They might shake their head and say yes, but if they have that doubt in that heart, that form of fear, it is not going to happen because we've talked about this before also is that your thoughts control your emotions and your emotions control your actions and if your thoughts are negative if your thoughts don't believe it it's not going to happen if you can't visualize yourself achieving the goal will never happen we watched all these football games if that quarterback didn't believe in themselves believe in their past believe they're going to catch it it was not going to happen and we are naturally very negative this way to where 
we just don't see it. And that's a big challenge. In fact, one of the big goals, of course, is weight loss to where, oh, we got to lose weight, got to lose weight. But if you haven't taken a chance to visualize yourself being successful, change the way you think about yourself, think about food, it's not going to happen. If you're told you can't have any more French fries, and you're like, oh, French fries, I love French fries. They're warm. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. But they're salty and they're warm and a little ketchup. No, I can't. Right? Hey, thoughts control emotions. Emotions control actions. Eventually, be eating French fries. you got to change the way you think about it. Imagine yourself, visualize yourself ordering some French fries and putting them on the tray and you pick up a big handful and you... I can cure your french fries, just start squeezing it through your fingers as that pulpy mass oozes through your fingers, that yellow lard starts dripping down your hand. <laughs> gross. Maybe a bat. It is gross, but now all of a sudden, we don't crave french fries, we don't want french fries, and that's true with goals. You have to see yourself either not doing something or doing something. Until that happens, it's not going to matter. Yeah, yeah. Really, if you could just keep that in mind. It's a, this goal thing and accomplishing them is such a logical thing. But as we've talked about on the podcast, <laughs> till the cows come home, we're emotional creatures. If if logic could work for us exclusively, then all of humanity's problems would have been solved a long time ago. That's true. Someone said, well, yeah, it's dieting. Eat less, move more. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> right? Hello? And we all know that, but they're like, whoa, 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 emotions, and people get all offended, and wait a minute, yeah, I try, because right? there's that emotional, because, yeah, goal setting's the same way, there's that emotional element, mm-hmm. which is the third one, what do you know? Hey! So why? That emotional side, I mean, you could logically list, well, I need to be healthier because of this, and this, and this, no, you need that why, that emotional reason, that compelling thing that's driving you, that's motivating you. And that's the key factor where people really need to understand and do because without that why, there could be days where you don't feel like doing the things that you know you need to, whether it be personally or at work with your family, whatever it is. If you don't know what that why is, that reason, that purpose, that passion, it's not going to matter because I guarantee you'll have days you don't feel like doing it. If you don't have that why, that reason, that purpose, it will demotivate you at times and you will give up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that reminds me of a great story, the importance of why. is I was working with a gentleman named Dan Jansen, the Olympian speed skater, and he was America's boy. He was going to win it all. He does the oval track like Apollo Ono, the uh, icing. I don't remember the length, but he was the best. He went to his first Olympics, and his goal was to get a gold medal. And he went to his first Olympics and didn't place. Trained for another four years and got cut off, slipped and fell, disqualified. Trained for another four years. Tragedy in his family. I believe his sister was diagnosed with cancer. His brain wasn't in it. Didn't place. Trained for another four years. And for my math majors out there, that's 16 years, of mm-hmm. course. Right? So we can offend our math majors. 16 years. He was to his last Olympics. He was getting older. And everyone's like, look, you hold the world record. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, I got to get a gold medal. That's my goal. And he went to his first event, made it to the medal round, and Somebody cut them off. They both slipped and fell, disqualified. He didn't get the medal. It was this big tragedy. People couldn't believe it. But then this longer event, he didn't have any records. It wasn't his best event, but for some reason, he qualified for the medal round, barely qualified for the medal round, and he was in it, his last chance. And it was one of those incredible moments in Olympic history where he broke the Olympic record, won the gold medal, did a victory lap with his newborn daughter. Everyone was crying. It was one of those incredible moments in Olympic history. He had pulled it off after 16 years. And so we sat down with him. We said, 
Dan, how did you do this for 16 years? Most people can't get out of bed in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. You stuck to this goal for 16 years. What's going on? He thought about it. He says, you know what? When I was younger, I had a wise coach sat me down before we started practice and made me list all the reasons why I wanted that gold medal for me, for my family, financially. Why? And I just made a big, long list. And he said, just keep it with you every day. And I would practice six hours a day, six days a week, he said. And every day, after about three or four hours, I was cold, I was hungry, I was tired, I wanted to go home. And I'd just pull that list of reasons for my speed suit, and I'd find one reason that would get me back in the game that would motivate me to finish the practice. And he said it very simply. People don't fail because of lack of goals. They fail because of lack of reasons behind those goals or why their purpose or passion. So when you tap into that, then you have unlimited motivation. So create a list. So when you have that moment, you don't feel like doing the things you know you need to do. Pull out the list, and I guarantee you'll find one thing that'll motivate you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I saw over the uh, break, I saw the Star Wars movie, which was pretty good, I thought. Uh, definitely one of the better ones. In the yeah, say that I've seen it yet. <laughs> they had a, a preview for a movie. My kids love Kung Fu Panda, okay? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's meant to be kind of a comical uh, cartoon about Kung Fu, and they say these wise Kung Fu statements, you know. And one of the characters in the preview, and actually, I really loved the quote. He said, if you only do what you can do, you will never become more than what you are. And it's so true for goal setting. If you just do things that you're comfortable with and that are easy to you, then just, you know, you're going to look back on the next year and you're going to go, okay, I was about the same as the year before. Nothing changed. So if you want something to change, I think inherently there is going to be some discomfort, right? We have to set realistic goals, goals that we need to do. But also we need to know it's going to push us. It's going to stretch us a little bit. And that's the whole point. And that's so true. I like that comment. And you have to ask yourself, do you have 10 years experience or one year experience 10 times? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that puts things in perspective as far as the value you bring to yourself and to the marketplace. And you have to stretch yourself. And hey, it's 2016. Make it your year. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. 2016. All right. Well, guess what? I'm going to change up the blunder on you. Oh, good. Let's do it. Yeah. This one is this one is on me. So I need you to queue up the Homer. It's a pretty good one. Ooh, Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> so you know how when you're speaking at a seminar, Kurt, for a couple of days, you just really mentally get exhausted. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the workshop that I teach about real estate investing, the problem is, is the, the very end, about the last two hours, there's a lot of math involved. And your brain's fried. And so it's, it gets a little tough. You get a little sloppy there. So I was in Las Vegas presenting to a group of real estate investors, and we were talking about the costs associated with uh, repairing a house, right? Here's what it costs to do sheetrock. Here's what it costs to rewire. Here's what it costs to replumb. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, super exciting. I can tell you're having a tough yeah, time. I'm, just, I'm starting to drill. Hold on. Let me get that. Okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Get something. <laughs> so the problem was, is I was getting, you know, it was two days. It was almost the break. I was almost going to head home for Christmas and just do nothing. I was getting a little trunky there. There was a phrase I had to keep saying if you fix this, it's going to cost X amount of bucks. Yeah. Fix this for 10 bucks. Fix this for 20 bucks. Well, I had said it so much and I got so sloppy that eventually I mixed up some key consonants at the beginning of those words. Mm. <laughs> if you're following me, so if you're mm -hmm. fix this, it's going to cost 50 insert profanity, <laughs> i.e. <laughs> Christmas story. Said this in front of a large room of people. 
Uh, luckily, they were all quite uh, understanding. One lady said, "Wow, it's going to cost that much, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no soap for you uh, from Christmas Story. No, no. no. Well, the movie <laughs> clearly shows that it causes blindness. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, I'm the blunder. Basically, uh, accidentally dropped the f bomb in front of a large group of clients, and uh, I'll be watching for that one in the future. Don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, at least you had the rapport and the relationship, the trust. Then, so when it happens, people are a lot more forgiving. That's the key to that type of a blunder. Yeah, it was an accident. You know, it's an accident. You you apologize, and clients are quite forgiving, <laughs> even in that instance. <laughs> so true. So true. All right. Well, that's going to do it, everybody. We appreciate listening to the first episode of 2016. We always like your feedback. In fact, I had a little uh, a funny piece of feedback, Kurt, that we got from somebody. You know, we can't read everything on the air, but every now and then something deserves it. This is an email from a listener named James, and uh, you know this just goes back to our list of people that we've offended. Uh, mm. Apparently, some people are waiting for us to offend them, and, oh. and they are now offended that we have not offended them. Oh, we haven't offended the offended the offenders who've been offended. Yeah, just, hey, that you guys oh, are okay. seeing live and in person what happens twenty minutes after you take codeine. That's right. <laughs> All right. So this is a, from a listener named James. I'll refrain from last names because we didn't talk to James about reading this. But uh, says, hey, guys, just wanted to thank you for continuing to produce episodes. I work in the world of workers' compensation, dealing with attorneys, claimants, settlements, etc. I'm able to apply things you've discussed on your show regularly. On a side note, while driving to work the other day, I was just thinking you'd never offended me. And then he started talking about political science majors I wholeheartedly agree that it is a useless degree, <laughs> though I'm going to law school in 2016. Keep up the good work, and thanks again. Uh, yeah, it is a useless degree. We got uh, railing on those guys uh, the other day. So if you, if you are a political science major like I am, uh, you have permission to be offended. If we have not yet offended you and you would like to be offended, just send us an, uh, an email to maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us at InfluenceMax or uh, post it on the Facebook page at Maximize Your Influence. And we can work it in. I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> you just say, hey, I'm uh, such and such and such and such. Pretty soon, we're going to let you have it, and we will get you on that list. We don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. We're a full-service offensive provider. <laughs> that's right, full service. <laughs> so, All right, that's good, everybody. We're going to catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Have a good one. Take care, and see you next week. 